This is Dennis Ramundi. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg, author of American Veda, our podcast, Spirit Matters, found at spiritmatterstalk.com. Our guest today, Joseph Barat Cornell. He is an internationally renowned author and founder of Sharing Nature Worldwide, one of the planet's most widely respected nature awareness programs. Uh, his first book was Sharing Nature with Children, uh, and he, his current book, Deep Nature Play. Uh, Bharat, thank you so very much for taking the time to come on with us today. Thank you for having me. Um, Bharat, perhaps we can begin uh, at the beginning of your work at, at, with um, using nature uh, as an educational means, and especially with children. This goes back uh, nearly 40 years, as I understand it. How did you get into this kind of work? Where, what was your background at the time? Well, I already, always had a love for nature, and I spent a lot of time uh, as a child um, in nature. When I was 10, before the jogging craze, I would run to greet the sun, and I would just run in the Feather River, uh, uh, along the Feather River, and sometimes through marshes, and, and to greet the sun, and uh, and I always had that kind of love. And then in uh, University of Chico State University, I was an international relations major because that was during the time of the Vietnam War, and like many of the people in my generation, we wanted to work for world peace. And then I realized, and I was an international relations major. And I just realized that self-interest was not going to make it easy. Um, and I had this experience along the, the, the Chico Creek that go, went through campus. And I just felt this incredible stillness and radiance. And this peace just came over me that just lasted for many, many hours into the night. And I said to myself, this is a true peace that I could share with other people. This is a long-lasting piece, and so I changed my major uh, to how to find God in nature, and so I... Wait, first... wait, did you say you changed your major? Yes. To, <laughs> I assume that was um, what you called your major. Well, it was <laughs> called nature awareness, but it was also um, underlying that, and everybody understood it. Uh, I was the very first special major student at the university mm. and um and and that's what i called it i wanted to essentially i just wanted to learn how to uh, become absorbed in nature and everything around me and become one with it and of course i didn't know how to do it i was just a young person and you know there were no other classes on that aspect but i took courses on american transcendentalist writers and eastern religion and and then we created uh, some of our own courses that some of the professors came and attended. And uh, so it was a start. And later on, I, you know, of course, my thinking became much more mature and uh, sophisticated in terms of the nuances of actually how to achieve that. Mm -hmm. but, but that has always been my interest. Bar Barat, uh, the U.S. Uh, Fish and Wildlife Service selected your book, Sharing Nature with Children, I'm reading as one of the 15 most influential books published since 1890 for connecting children and their families with nature or to nature. Uh, and, and, and it goes on to discuss a highly effective outdoor learning strategy 
that you have. What, what is that strategy, what, uh, and, and how did you develop it? Well, first of all, I use uh, nature activities because they engage people. Uh, when I first started, and this is how people thought, is that it was called a walk-stop and talk method where you walk in nature and you, everybody stops and then you talk about it from maybe 30 feet away and then people walk on to the next thing. And I just noticed that people weren't really totally engaged and it really mm-hmm. didn't mean that much. So I created exercises that help people to be immersed in the experience, to lose a sense of uh, their own individuality. Uh, they were just more in the present moment. And uh, and so the, just a very, but some were playful, energetic, uh, but I, I noticed very quickly that there was a, a flow of rising uh, sort of consciousness and awareness. And in yoga, which I'm, um, uh, with my tradition, uh, I'm disciple of uh, Paramahansa Yogananda and a student of Swami Kriyananda. And uh, with yoga, it tries to raise the energy and, and uplift the consciousness. And so uh, through my experience at Ananda Village where I live, I, 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 you try to awaken the energy, and so I did that with certain games, and, and then there's a four-step process of awakening the energy through active things or just that just absorb a person's uh, attention, and then focus attention, which is help people to be very concentrated, and that helps them to be uh, beginning stage of receptivity, and then uh, to um, uh, offer a direct experience. And this is where you have a, a direct experience of nature where you're just perceiving and you aren't standing back mentally uh, mm-hmm. divorced from the observed, but you uh, are essentially one with it because you're immersed in it. And then the fourth stage is share inspiration where you reflect on your experience and you may try to communicated in a different way, maybe through movement or a poem uh, or just some kind of form where you just stay with the inspiration longer and you understand it more, the nuances of it, and it becomes more clarified the longer you work with it. But it's not an over-mental uh, concept. And what I found is you know, the, the third stage is all about intuition. Paul Brunton said that a mystical experience is simply prolonged intuition. Uh, and so in these experiences, another word for intuition is calm feeling. You know, everybody talks about learning uh, from the heart, uh, but what does that really mean? Well, uh, feeling is perceived in the heart, and when that feeling is calm, it's a pure feeling, and then it's a pure thought, and that's when we directly perceive the world around us. Mm-hmm. And we're not separate from that world. Is what you just... So, just oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, well, just, just to sum it up, so another, this is a way of working with energy of people and uplifting the energy in a gradual way that people could relate to. And it can take people that don't have a spiritual path, but they can have a feeling of energy and of awakening consciousness. And it's, you know, through them, uh, their own experience, so they're leading it rather than you trying to push them along or mm-hmm. give them a philosophy that they can't quite <laughs> agree right. with, but they actually have 
a deep, profound experience. So it's a gentle way of working with people. Mm-hmm. Is is what you just described um, what you've been calling flow learning? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, definitely. I called it flow learning, and uh, and it's used all over the world now by many, many. You just have to say tens of thousands of educators, and they, they it just really works for them. And and as I understand it, you developed it originally for use with children. Is it also used with uh, grown-ups? Yes, yes, it, uh, very much so. Because in fact, uh, with children, they have a natural enthusiasm and they dive right in. And uh, but adults, they can self-censor themselves. And uh, uh, what it helps with adults is help them to overcome their. Uh, adult conditioning and um, to get into the present moment. Mm-hmm. So you would do different exercises for adults than you would for children, although adults like to <laughs> be free and, uh, 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 and, and, and you know, get out of uh, kind of conventional adult thinking. And being, uh-huh. uh, It really works with all ages because it's an experience. It's, mm-hmm. You aren't talking about intellectual levels. You're talking about that aspect that uh, is in all of us, no matter mm-hmm. our age. I, I wanted to ask you, Brad, uh, you're part of the Ananda village, which is an intentional community. You're a disciple of uh, Paramahansa Yogananda, and you mentioned you were a student of Swami Kriyananda. Your teaching in terms of nature and connecting with nature, is that something that was fully embraced by your con- community? And were you influenced in developing it by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and your direct study with Swami Kriyananda? I, um, before I came to Ananda, I had a lot of these thoughts. And, uh, I, of course, I was with them in previous incarnations, I believe. Mm-hmm. So my thinking uh-huh. as a, before I came to Ananda was really shaped by them. But it really has gave, uh, their teachings are so clear that it really helped me to really express in a more profound way and understand uh, really the whole process uh, of um, how you really have a profound experience. And so definitely it, it shaped uh, my whole being. I, I meditate and and offer um, prayers and uh, it just hold my mind up and I, I get inspiration and uh, you know, and things that I had no idea of how to express or something very subtle that I'm trying to communicate. And I um, I receive guidance all the time from them. Mm-hmm. But, but did, you, I you, wanted to ask, did the community, uh, 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 you know, collectively, or th- those that govern the, t- the, the community, uh, did they embrace your what you were teaching? Did they incorporate it into the other... Uh, spiritual practices uh, that were given to you by uh, Paramahansa Yogananda through uh, Swami Kriyananda? Fairy Nature was really... um, uh, Swami uh, Kriyananda, when he watched a video of the activities in Flow Learning, he told me that he wished uh, every family in America could see it. Uh So he was always really supportive. But we... We had so many techniques that it took a few years <laughs> for it to, to be embraced in the community. It was used in our schools and our Sunday mm-hmm. school programs. 
but and now it's used at our meditation retreat. Uh, we have doctors in India that um, uh, Nanda doctors have a, uh, a well-being program, and it's used by them. Uh, uh, and so it really has been embraced by the community. And because there, um, some of the activities in my book, The Sky Nurse, touch me. Uh, they're really directly inspired by Kriya Yoga, which Kriya is a technique for drawing the life force in deeply into the spine and raising it um, to the higher chakras, and it withdraws the energy inward. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really about being in your center. And um, with these different activities, there's one activity called I Am the Mountain, where you uh, stand with a person and you say, I am, and that person looks out in the scene before them, and they see something, instead of just naming it, they try to feel that essence, that reality inside themselves, and then let their words express it. Like they might say, uh, I would say, I am, and they might say, the sailing clouds, after actually feeling the reality of the clouds uh, within them, and people have had real dramatic experiences mm-hmm. and it's because they're internalizing their awareness. You know, the um, the intellect looks outside of the body, uh, looks uh, uh, externally to you, and it uses reason and the testimony of the senses. And Yogananda uh, Ji said that uh, reason has only discovered one millionth of the nature of reality, uh, but the heart, the intuition... It looks inside. And, of course, uh, Yogananda also said that uh, God works from the inside out. And when we uh, have that feeling inside ourselves, you know, as we feel the aliveness in ourselves, all of nature becomes alive mm-hmm. because uh, we look at it with that consciousness. And so I've had people, one true hiker of the Pacific Crest Trail, is a school teacher, and he did this exercise. And he said, uh, it uh, I, I experienced in four minutes a sense of communion that usually took me a month in the wilderness to get. And that's a big statement to make, and everybody's hyping <laughs> their own pet project. But, you know, when you internalize your energy, that energy is concentrated. Uh, Christ said that I, I come to give you life more abundantly. He was talking about consolidating the, the life force in the deep spine. And that's mm-hmm. when you have true awareness. And so this, um, so there's different activities like that that really do reflect the, the yogic path mm-hmm. and really the universal path this period. Uh, Bharat, since you, since you started this work in um, the late 70s, you've taken it in one form or another uh, into a number of books, but you've also taken it around the world. Um, what have you noticed um, from one culture to another w- with respect to how people um, r- uh, interact with nature and how receptive they are to your work? Are there cultural differences or do you find uh, a certain um, commonality or both? I would say there's mostly there's a commonality because sharing nature is uh, based on personal experience and there's activities that uh, allow people to, to have that experience. And like in uh, Greece, uh, they said this is just the way that Plato and the great masters taught. 
And in Japan, it's this is very Zen. And uh, in China, there was uh, oh, this is the way that their masters taught. And you know, in England, uh, they had uh, a religious studies uh, program. They had the world five uh, great religions, and they had an application for each one. And Cherry Nature was chosen for more indigenous uh, Celtic uh, uh, learning. And so um, I found that uh, it pretty much works universally. Uh, and, and there's been a couple countries that are very, very rational. And I have to choose certain activities because if they're too sort of feeling oriented, uh, intuitive oriented, I have to sort of build up to it. And they love everything else, but they're just, uh, I'm just sort of careful what, what I choose with them. But universally, it's um, uh, well-respected, uh, increasingly, I mean, amazing, amazing ways. But, and I've done it with so many different cultures in over 30 countries, but then we've had other people going. In, in Southeast Asia, of course, it's very, very big, and they understand meditation and mm-hmm. uh, the connection. But South America is very intuitive. Murat, mm-hmm. uh, you... you um obviously in working with with nature and people connection to it uh it's going to be a very different experience for somebody living in in, in uh the mountainous areas of colorado or along the west or east coast or uh in more remote areas than it is for people in urban areas and much of the world lives in urban areas where they don't have tremendous exposure to natural settings to nature uh yeah. what would you recommend for those people uh, yeah, so that they might have these experiences and, and gain spiritually from them. Well, uh, you don't have to have a wilderness, um, a city park. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, these, there's di- uh, different activities that um, that you can do that uh, share with people where it really gets you into the present moment. And when you're in the present moment, everything feels sacred and uh, even Mm -hmm. usually we see something and we remember seeing it from the past and it's more like a a kind of a category of something rather than the actual experiences. Uh, One activity uh, that would give you an idea, well there's a story about a a young Tibetan monk at a brain symposium and he was trying to show how he could see things freshly and he looked over at an imaginary flower and he said, flower first time and then a little bit later on the discussion he looked over at the imaginary flower and said flower first time and he was just showing that how you could see with per, uh, pure perception without the filter that we normally mm-hmm. have well there's a activity called a camera game where you uh, take someone and uh, there's a human camera they keep their eyes closed and then you turn them towards the picture and then you, they use their eyes as the, the shutter, and you tap their shoulder, and the eyes come open when you tap the shoulder uh, twice. And they look at the uh, a tree or bush, and then you tap again after three seconds to have them close their eyes. And people, by just having them see it for three seconds, they're just uh, perceiving it. They aren't thinking. And, and people have said they remembered the picture that they took for five years, eight years afterwards. Hmm. And it was a, a little experience of pure seeing. 
And uh, what it does is it gets, gets people, you know, they have that kind of experience and they want to cultivate that. Mm-hmm. They'll adopt some practices to, to go into that. Uh, there's uh, an activity uh, where you put your hands on your lap and you look at a, a, a striking scene in front of you. It could be just still in a park where it's a, not a lot of people. Um, and you just touch your fingertip every time you notice something. And you don't count. You're just using your fingers, the sensation of your fingers to, uh, to um, touch your thigh. And it just keep do it for maybe um, 20 or 30 fingertips, which would be uh, twice or, or three times using both hands. And I was doing this along a stream when I first created the activity. And there are all kinds of people walking along, maybe 70 walked by. And my wife and I, we were uh, doing it. And we noticed two river otters in the stream. <laughs> and nobody saw these river otters. And they stayed for a good long time. And they kind of poked their head up and looked at us. We were being so still. And I think sometimes new beginnings have blessings. And uh, maybe give me a good story to tell. But it just, uh, it just helps us to just, get out of our thinking mind Mm -hmm. and in a simple way that a child uh, or anyone can do and it's a little meditation there's all kinds of sophisticated meditation practices but i work with a real broad uh, spectrum because i'm trying to help people you know become more internalized and more Mm -hmm. expansive in their sense of self and uh and so i um you know i've created these in nature there's no ego in nature, and there's just stillness, and we're surrounded by a world of stillness, and it really helps recall to our consciousness mm-hmm. the stillness that is our true nature, and and so we have this all around us. Is uh, everybody knows nature's healing, mm-hmm. and uh, but we of course we have to be receptive in order to uh, to do it, and it, it just doesn't happen by itself. I mean, I think that's why people do extreme sports mm-hmm. because they put themselves in a situation where they have to be in the present moment and they feel uh, more alive than they normally do. Well, sharing nature uses uh, more softer elements of surprise, of uh, being put in a new perspective, uh, uh, playful group interaction, uh, meditations, uh, immersive experiences. Uh, we uh, have buried children in leaves, and they look up like they're looking out of the earth. They become very still and look into the filter of leaves and the swaying branches, and they become very, very quiet. Wow. Uh, one Japanese woman said that uh, she could just hear the insects and everything around her in the whole forest. And she'd actually, because she'd had a real tough home life, she was 12 years old. She felt like she wanted to commit suicide, but she in that stillness she just felt the world is being benevolent and she started to really open up and she started to trust life and it just helped her to really tap into the rhythm of life which she's a part of mm-hmm. and and so these activities really help people to meet uh, nature at your best and you meet your own inner nature at your best uh, because you know uh, there's a reason why uh, you know, the spiritual practices, they're a discipline. And it reigns in the habitual 
restless mind. Well, the, the nature activities in an engaging way just really help focus people so that they can have mm-hmm. uh, a, a dynamic experience. Uh, Bharat, uh, in uh, the few minutes we have left, we don't want to neglect your most recent book. Tell us about Deep Nature Play. Well, I, this really explains this very nature process because uh, in play theory, uh, they've associated uh, play with uh, timelessness, uh, absence of self, uh, immersion in the present moment, and the focus of play. And people uh, are just uh, totally involved with play. And if we're trying to become one with nature, if you use play in nature, it's really easy to have an experience of uh, oneness with nature. Uh, But also, it's a way of integrating your own energy and feeling a sense of wholeness because uh, you you aren't questioning yourself. You're just free of all the things that usually uh, hold you back. And so, um, you know, all the great scientists, they play. And the ones that have been the most innovative, they're working through their intuition to make these discoveries and mm-hmm. use logic in order to uh, explain them. And, uh, and so there's adult play uh, as well. And, and people say, well, when you're playing, you aren't accomplishing anything. But there's all kinds of stories about how people, they got into this intuitive flow where life, through their receptivity and lack of ego, and uh, they, um, their higher soul, or whatever you want to call it, God, their intelligence, has spoken to them and given them incredible insights. It's because they were more deeply receptive and they were able to receive uh, higher wisdom than just doing a mundane activity that you've already done, mm-hmm. you're doing that a habit, and your uh, mind isn't really uplifted. And so what this book does is it helps people to... It, it, it proposes a whole new way of learning, a super conscious form of learning where you're more intuitive, more inspired, and how you could be much, much more productive than just uh, using an intellect that isn't inspired. Uh, when you have deep inspiration, there is more pure feeling and more uh, pure thought, and it's more inspired, and it's, it's more universal because... Uh, it's uh, of that inspiration. Great. Brad, thank you so very much for your time today. And again, the book, Deep Nature Play, now available. Uh, and uh, uh, any final words you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, thank you for the uh, opportunity to share with your audience. And I should mention that we have a wonderful website called sharingnature.com. And you can find more about uh, Mm -hmm. my work and uh, my books at that site. And we'll have that up on on the web when we post this interview. And you also have a personal site, uh, jcornell.org. Yes, yes. Good. So everybody can find out more about Barat's work and um, get out in nature. <laughs> and Great. find your inner nature. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks Thank for you. Time, Thank you Barat. so very much. Good.